What's up guys, it's Miles here and welcome to the Hypecast. Really, really happy to have you guys here. We've been getting some amazing feedback about the Hypecast. Hope you guys have been enjoying it and I hope we can continue to bring you some value with these upcoming podcasts. And today should be no exception. We uh, got to talk with a really amazing person who's become a good friend of ours here at Hype Studios. Her name's Heather Maltman and you may have heard Wait until you hear her voice. You may have heard her on the Heather, Ben and Dan show on Hit 90.9 on CFM. Yes, it is the Heather that we're going to be talking to today. And you may also recognize her from The Bachelor, where she burst into stardom from that show as well. Um, In this episode today, we talked about heaps of things. We got super deep. We talked about her career ups and downs in the entertainment industry. We talked uh, about emotions. We talked about the impact of your environment on your success. And we even talked about things like racism and mental illness as Heather and myself have a commonality in growing up with mental illness in our household. So it got quite deep, but we talked about some issues that we uh, really think you guys will, will appreciate. Remember guys, this uh, podcast is brought to you by Before You Speak Coffee. Here at Hype, we actually a marketing agency. We work for some of the biggest clients in the country and our team are just constantly working hard and we've got to stay fueled. So before you speak, are keeping us fueled. It's delicious, it's high performance coffee. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate the guys for um, sponsoring this podcast and you guys should definitely check them out. Why did we invite a pro radio host onto our podcast show? We weren't thinking. We weren't thinking because she was asking us stuff about hosting a podcast. We're like, we're experienced. <laughs> done six podcasts. <laughs> six. Six. We've That's done six. great. No, we've done more. No, yeah, sorry. You're right. We, but we've released six. Is that right? We've released six. Yeah, but we've yep. done more. I'm glad we walked through that. Yeah. Yeah, I felt good about that. What am I drinking, by the way? It tastes like um, coffee, happiness, and like guarana or something. Like, yeah, like berries. Like coffee berries. It could be. It's a bit of that. There's cocoonin. There's turmeric. <laughs> That's good. It is good. Do you know what this reminds me of is that ad that ran on TV for ages. You remember when the chick's in the supermarket and she's trying to decide which coffee she's going to buy and she's like, she just grabs like the Nescafe, I think. And then this guy walks over and he's like super sexy and he's like, I think he's African or something. And she's like, oh, getting the best like you, I guess. And then he goes, oh, Schwapska, how wonderful. And it's like so I do but remember that. Do you remember oh, that? Either? This is the this is the second move that she's made on you, by the way. About the African thing. Yeah, I didn't hear the first African reference. <laughs> what was the first African reference? Nothing. Don't worry about it, sweet cheeks. Okay. It was really rude. It was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my head. Yeah. The new haircut. Don't worry. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Shall do. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. We are recording. Uh, we're rolling in. We are. <laughs> we're, we're starting this podcast on fire. I think the first thing that we should um, hear is Heather do her actual like CFM intro, yeah. but but oh. it includes Miles and Cell. What do you think? Cell. I would like to hear that. Would you? We've yeah. got to work out like whose name would go first though. 
And that is not necessarily like who's the most popular because, I mean, that would be me. Um, <laughs> no, I take that back. I feel dirty. No, it's um, you usually put the first name that goes first is the one that has the most syllables or you put the name first that rhymes better with the, la- the last name in the sentence. So like Heather, Dan and Ben. Yep. It makes sense because I've got more syllables. It's not actually because I get paid more, although damn well should. Um, so I reckon it would have to be something like Miles Sell and Maltman. Oh. Because Heather doesn't work in there. I'm, I'm cool with that. Wouldn't Maltman go first with the more syllables? Yeah. It could. You could do Maltman, Sell and Miles. Maltman, Maltman Miles and Sell. No, that doesn't work. You probably Heather. had it right the first time. <laughs> Heather Sell and Miles. Now that just sounds like I'm selling something. That's weird. But we're selling the podcast. Mm. It's not sexy though. No? You know what I mean? Like it's got to have sexy. Like you got to be like, oh, I want to listen to that. It's clearly got hot people involved and there's depth there. <laughs> no, I reckon it has to be like, welcome to Hypecast with Miles Selen Maltman. Something like that. Nice. Thanks. Well, that was, That's my radio sing-song voice. That was really good. Thank That's you. That's going to be the start of this podcast. We should get it to record an intro for us that we, we should. can use permanently. <laughs> we should. Do it while you can. (laughs) I whore myself out all the time. That's fine. (laughs) Now, to get into a bit more of serious stuff. Yeah. I'm actually really interested in what you were doing before you got here. So you were just telling us off air about where you were before. Oh, yeah. I haven't even told you this yet. How about that? Well, the reason why I came in like with all the energy, like I was kind of losing my marbles a bit. So, um, I work with teenagers sometimes, um, and it's all around sort of helping them make better choices. Cause coming from a background where I wasn't really taught how to make choices, I just made choices and hoped for the best. Um, I sort of developed these really cool workshops with young kids and the guys over at Arcadia, I think is what it's called. Cool. They're in Varsity Lakes. Anyway, I, um, I did my first session with their teenagers, um, and the kids there, they come from all different backgrounds, like really multi areas. So some kids have either come from broken homes, some kids are just low income, some kids um, are dealing with their own issues with mental health. Um, some of them have like some kind of, you know, I don't like to say the word disability because I just think there is no such thing as disabilities. We all have a version of ability or disability in our lives. But, you know, obviously the classical view of some kind of disability. But, yeah, so I just go in there and I work with them on, like, making choices and teaching them how their brain works so that they can actually, like, work out what they want to do and where they want to go in this life instead of feeling like they're just going to be stereotypically put in the one place in this world. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And Mm. something that you were saying to us um, when we um, spoke previously was you were saying, like, you were talking about how it's not about looking after our own kids a lot of the time. It's just looking after the kids, kids. in the world just yeah. in general. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, I mean. thought process about it. I don't know. Because, so you've got, you've got two humans now, don't you? You've I created do. two. <laughs> it's quite scary. Actually, Isn't it? That's the first time someone said it. You have two kids now. Yeah. Humans. That's you cool. created two people. Say like that. It's actually world. really scary. Yeah. Miles and I haven't done it yet. Like we actually haven't had sex, but also haven't had any children. So just to clear that up. <laughs> Although we might have. Have you ever gone to bedroom nightclub like years ago? Never. Great. Then we definitely haven't had sex. 
<laughs> just to be specific. I mean, there were other clubs that I ventured to, but that one's my favourite. Um, <laughs> don't tell my boyfriend that. I'm so getting dumped after he hears this, aren't I? Oh, lucky we're not married. Divorce is expensive. Um, yeah, so we've actually been going through the process of are we going to have kids, are we not going to have kids? Because we've hit that age. Like, how old are you now, Miles? 28. You're 28. Have you hit that age yet? Like... Are we going to have children? I'm getting there. Know. Okay. I'm getting right. there. I love kids. They've committed, oh, yeah. okay. they've committed to the thought process of it, but they've also committed to this, it's not the right time theory. I used to have that theory. <laughs> it doesn't exist it apparently. Doesn't. Yeah. It definitely doesn't. Yeah. There's no right time. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we talked about that as well. The whole right time thing. Yeah. I don't know because I feel like there's definitely a better time than right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how I feel. Yeah, <laughs> like I can honestly tell you, if I went home right now and peed on a stick and found out I was with child, I'd be devastated. I can't. I can barely look after my dog, <laughs> and he's self-sustained. You give him some biscuits and a rub, and he's happy. With a child, you got to burp it. You know, like no, you got to make sure it doesn't die. It's so heavy. So much responsibility. Dogs eat grass. Babies eat grass, and they can like die from that. As far as I know, there's a lot to so. consider. Mm. Definitely a lot to consider. Everything's a choking hazard. Like even your own digits become choking hazards. <laughs> That's true. But at the same time, you know, you say it's not the right time. Mm. You do have one and then all of a sudden it becomes the right time. Mm. So everything flips all of a sudden, like really, really quickly. Yeah. You'll think, can't do this and can't do that. But Mm. it all works out, pans out pretty well. Yeah. So you may not be ready for kids yourself now. Yeah. But you're definitely dedicating your your life to helping others. Love working with kids. Why? It's just... Where did it stem from? Um, I don't know. From your own background growing up? You had an interesting background growing up, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely nuts. Um, I think it's just come from like feeling like the kids are our future. Like the world really won't exist without them. I mean, the world probably won't exist eventually anyway because the sun's going to eat the earth, um, according to a lot of scientists. Just like, thanks for that. (laughs) That's really uplifting, guys. (laughs) How about we talk about earthquakes next? Um, But yeah, I, I feel like growing up, I didn't really have much in the way of resources to sort of plan out what I was going to do. And it meant that I wasted a lot of my teenage years either being sad um, dealing with my mom's abusive boyfriends, mm-hmm. um, not knowing when we were going to eat next. Um, Did I read somewhere that you actually didn't know your your old man for quite a while and then you yeah. met him later on in life? Yeah, I met him when I was 18 and then um, he passed away like five years later. It was mm-hmm. really sad. We are So, geez, I guess to sort of put it in summary, I kind of... So I grew up in Beanley, Eagle Bay. Do you know where that is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like Logan. Like, yeah, gay Logan. Um, I actually used to talk like that. I had speech classes to get that out of my physical being. <laughs> That's not a joke. I'm deadly serious. My acting coach told me, he's like, if you keep talking like that, no one's going to work with you. And I was like, what do you mean? It's fine, eh? Like, it's not that bad. So judgmental. What a jerk fuckhead um no but yeah I trained that out of me and then yeah so going back I um geez I don't know where to start it's like I moved over 16 times before I was 12 Mm -hmm. and that doesn't include living on the street in cars caravans um staying at like mum's friends places and things like that and I actually don't call my mum mum anymore because growing up her mental illness has become so bad now that she doesn't even believe that I'm her kid. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. She's got paranoid delusional schizophrenia. Mm. So growing up, she believed that like people were trying to kill us and were always trying to get us and that she was like fighting this cult. Mm -hmm. And it's usually like with schizophrenia, the most common forms of schizophrenia are people who either have the paranoia that they think that um, some kind of cult is out to get them or they think that like a KGB or something like that is trying to like take them back into the, you know, the bad group or whatever. I don't know. This is super interesting because my mum actually had severe paranoid schizophrenia. No way. Yeah. So did this she, is our which, connection. Which one did she, did she fall into one of those two? Oh, massively. Yeah, Probably right. Probably all of the above. Yeah, right. To be honest. Yeah. 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 So did she see things and hear things? At the end she did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which was pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how their delusion can change like that? Oh. One minute they will think... Okay, so like for example, one of my mum's thoughts was um, uh, your father tried to kill us when you were little babies and we are princesses of this higher cult and my father, he tried to kill us as well but um, they shot him because he did something and blah, blah, and he was a bad guy too and they were all bad guys. And then a week later she was like, actually the reason they shot my father is because he was trying to save us because they knew that we were princesses and we hold this power from God that no one else can harness. Dude, that is fucking bizarre because apparently I'm from a royal family. What? And my background is from a royal family and my mum used to every single day go to a cafe and um, write code that she'd find in, in the local newspaper, which would always basically get to the result of the fact that we are a part of a royal family yeah. and all of these sorts of things. So yeah. I'm, I'm there with you. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Really amazing. So you must be really like nervous right now because you are sitting with royalty and the power of God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's... You're awesome welcome. people that could just literally switch at any time yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have our own conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Question for both yeah. of you. How do, because I've known Miles for a while, so, and I was like, in any other situation, I assume he's the only person that could turn out normal going Mm -hmm. through that. But then I met you and now I just found this out. How do you turn out the way you've turned out? Which is great. It's just. Yeah. That's, um, I think first of all, it's accepting the fact that there is no such thing as normal. Because for a long time, I was like, I'm not normal. It's never going to happen. I'm crazy. I've got all these things wrong with me. Did you go through? 100%. And when someone calls you crazy, is it a big trigger for you? Because yep. it's a huge trigger for me. My last legal job, a really funny stat, a really funny um, um, little uh, story here is um, one of my old bosses from a, a legal firm that I used to work for actually used that against me when I left. I've had that before. I was a star player in the team. I'm happy to say that. And yeah. I, I wanted to, to do different things. I obviously wanted to move into this sort of space in this yeah. world. So I wanted to leave all that legal stuff behind. Mm-hmm. And um, I left and then I, um, I actually started my own dispute management firm. So it was like a really? small um, boutique legal practice. And a lot of clients wanted to come over across from the, the previous firm that I was oh, working shit. for. Oh, shit. They would have loved oh, that. Oh, yeah. And then so all the legal letters started to come and it got to the point where he actually instructed his lawyer at the time to say in a letter that I was like mentally ill and all of this stuff because of my past wow. and all this stuff. That was a huge trigger and I just yeah. fucking slammed him from there. Yeah. 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 I have that. So it's definitely a trigger. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Especially when people don't understand it. No. And they just use it. They use it, yeah. yeah. I've, I've had some of the most unsuspecting people use you're crazy there's something wrong with you and they usually give you the look they look at you like 
there's something wrong with you. And they do it in a way of like, you know what I'm talking about. I'm referring to your mother, the one that I know has a mental illness. Like, I'm so sorry, but no one's told you so far in your 32 years that you're actually fucked in the head and you need to see somebody. (laughs) And you just stand there and it just strips you of all dignity and all power and all ability to think straight and you crumble. Like I crumble. I know that much. Mm. Like it really ruins me. I actually just had someone do it to me like not even three weeks ago. Yeah, and it was, it was the, I, like, I never saw it coming of all the people to do it. I was like, wow. Like you feel that insecure in this moment. You feel that powerless because I refuse to give in to the manipulation that's happening in this situation. So you're going to use that one card that you know will be my Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. And the worst part is it came from a mother. Mm -hmm. It came from a woman who was protecting her own child. Mm -hmm. And even though I could see that she was protecting her child, she didn't have enough respect to see that I was just protecting myself in the situation as well Mm -hmm. and so she had to use that card Mm -hmm. and then when that didn't work she started taunting me and being like oh well aren't you just impressive and blah 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 and it was just like even though I could see that it was her stuff and even though my amazing partner you know my boyfriend was standing there going babe it's not you Mm -hmm. that shit is not cool you don't talk to another person like that Mm -hmm. didn't matter I went into a spiral and it took me three days to come out of it and it's like I guess in answer to your question, like I've realized we all, like I said, you know, we all kind of have our disability per se. This is just mine. This is my little thing that I have in my life where it's not so much about working out how to be okay. It's working out how you can get back to being okay the fastest. Like how long are you going to let yourself sit in it? And when someone used to say crap like that to me, it would take weeks, months, maybe a year. I mean, I took eight months off of year eight Mm -hmm. because the bullying at school was so bad. Mm -hmm. I gave away eight years of my life to my bullies so that they could have power over me. And then after that, it became like maybe six months. Mm -hmm. Then after that, it was maybe six weeks. Then after that, it was maybe a week, two weeks, things like that. And now it's like three days. That's a really big change for me. That's huge. Do you feel like you've fully accepted the fact that your mother's, you know, suffering with some sort of mental illness. Oh, yeah. 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 Did you, how long did it take you to go, oh. Young. I feel young. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. Like growing up with her, I always knew. Yeah. I was like, that's not right, man. Mm. But I used to crack the codes with her because I thought it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I would write a code and then break it with her and be like, mom, I found another one. Oh, not knowing that she was batshit crazy. Mm. But I was like, check it out. And that was like our way of connecting because it was the only way that we could come together and I could get some kind of love from her and feel that nurturing presence because she'd be so proud that I'd worked so hard to find this code. And I mean, she obviously was proper crazy because I mean, I was 10 at the time. So imagine how my writing looked (laughs) and we didn't have computers back then. So I clearly wrote like, you know, ABC and like sentences and stuff, but oh man, it was, it was absolutely mental. That's really interesting. I was completely repelled by my mom. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I had fully accepted the fact that she was suffering with mental illness and that she was different. Mm. I mean, I grew up in Kings Cross, so I grew up in McClay street and I went to Darlinghurst public school. Mm, so I used, to, I used to walk straight through, um, the Kings Cross junkie lane, junkie lane yeah. and then go to school. Mm-hmm. And that was probably from when I was like, I was probably like seven years old walking through that, wow. um, Kings Cross, you know, 
area by myself mm. and I have like memories of like some of the bouncers from the strip clubs trying to pull me in and just be like come on man like give us your give us your school pocket money give us your lunch money things like that like trying to pull me in at the time and do you remember you know the under is it the underbelly underbelly oh, yeah man. when when I watched that with Holly um not that long ago and then I realized it was all about the 90s you know kinks cross in the 90s I was like Man, I was freaking there. Like I was yeah. walking through that street every single day. Crazy. Really interesting. Hey. Crazy. But um, have you guys seen the movie A Beautiful Mind? Yeah. Yeah. Russell With Crow. Russell Crowe. Did you like ball your eyes out like a small child when you got to the end of that movie? Because it ruined me. I was I, like, I, holy I hell. I found it just amazing how they, they actually showed such a, uh-huh. a an uh, accurate picture of... Of a broken mind. 100%. Yeah. The, the walls in my mum's apartment were just scattered scattered with yeah. newspapers. There yeah. was not one inch of wall left. Like mm. that was a proper representation of mum. Yeah. Every single week, um, Sel knows my grandparents. They're like European, okay. they're Croatian, they're, um, they're loving, they're caring. Oh, so do they have like the thick accents where it's like, oh. Miles, you'll get in here and you do this now. hundred <laughs> percent. <exactly laughs> you come like to that. dinner. Exactly <laughs> it's like, like okay. <laughs> we beat you. One hundred percent. Heavy. <laughs> so they didn't know what to do but support her. So they would come to her house every single week. He would change all of the locks not just one lock they all would change of all of the locks mm. in her house you know because she believed someone had a key oh, and they dude, could get 100% in 100 percent. Yeah. you know she'd wa- she'd wake me up in the middle of the night and i'd be like freaking what maybe 10 and she'd be like look look at my arm it was like a freckle they've they've come in they've broken into the house uh, and they've they've injected me they've put it in my skin yeah and i'm just like yeah. sitting there it's really funny i don't feel like i was ever frightened because i knew it wasn't true yeah, yeah right. which is really interesting but I was always kind of like calming her down I reckon because you had the influence of your grandparents there Mu- it must have been you might have had that it buffer there been. yeah because yeah. for my sister and I we didn't have that buffer interesting so a lot of my childhood years was spent terrified of something that didn't exist yeah. like yeah. really genuinely that, scared that's your really interesting older or younger than you? two years older and yeah she's we're not actually in each other's lives really? we can't be yeah um I like I have so much love for my sister. It's insane. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's it's just not meant to be. We're not meant to be in each other's lives. And I, the thing I put it down to, and I mean, she absolutely hates me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, loathe me central. And I don't hate her for it. I'm not mad at her for it. I'm just sad that there's so much anger there and I can't. It's literally anger that I can't do anything about and the things that I'm blamed for and that she's angry at me about, again, are things that I can't do anything about, you know, because on one hand she'll get upset with me because she'll be like, you said these things and you should apologize. And I'm like, great, let's get together and talk about it. And she'll be like, I'm not going to talk to you about it because I know you're not going to apologize. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so how do you, how do you want to have the conversation if you won't allow me the space to have the conversation and so then I just end up getting cut out and it's I'm not mad at her for it because we learned such shitty behavior from this woman Mm -hmm. who was so broken and I know it's not her fault I'm just did she react to it differently to you oh yeah Yeah. massively massively did you have siblings growing up yeah right yeah yeah no we where I kind of I don't know, like I just embraced it as just being real and being a part of my life and then had fun with it and kind of enjoyed the crazy 
she really rebelled against it and then would use it to manipulate the situation so that she was safe. Mm-hmm. And at the time I would get very mad at her for doing that, you know, cause she would manipulate my mom so that she would then fight with me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize at the time I felt like she just didn't love me and didn't care about me. And I look back on it and I realized, no, she was just trying to survive. Yeah. Different you know, survival mechanisms. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah, interesting. yeah. Mm-hmm. And while I got blamed for being manipulative, I guess, you know, I, I learned later in life, I was like, yeah, I had manipulative tactics as well. It's just mine were very different to hers. And where where we are unable to come together, I guess, is just she just she either needs time or I just have to accept that we're not going to be in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It just just sucks because mm-hmm. she's just, just fucking love her, well, you know. Like I just love the girl. Mm-hmm. I just think she's the best thing since sliced bread. Like when I was a kid – in preschool, I remember being asked, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, my sister or a caterpillar. Because I just thought she was the best thing ever. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to be a caterpillar? You know, those things are sick. <laughs> Creepy little bastards. Um, but, yeah, I'm. do you know what I'm curious about, though? Like, Sel, did you grow up in, like, just a, you know, straight run of the mill, like, two parents and a couple of kids and, like, a nice home looking over the water? Somewhat, like, but... African being brought up by African parents yeah. is a different experience. Were you raised here in Australia? Yeah. 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 But being raised here in Australia, it's almost like um, there's a standard set when you're grown up by, brought up by African parents outside of Africa because mm-hmm. they know they've got this first-hand realization of what life is like in Africa. Oh man, Africa is full on. It is. The racial thing yeah. is almost... The opposite way around. Because when I went to work in South Africa, yeah. I I was the minority. Yeah. And for the first time, like, and even, it, it's crazy, the white supremacy that goes over there, yeah. even though you're the minority. Yeah. Like, I lived in a manor out on an elephant field. And the people that ran the manor, there were um, two women that were joking behind the bar. And everyone that works in the manor, they're all black. Yeah. Not a single white person works there. And these two women were joking around in South African and I could tell that they were making fun of us. I didn't give a shit. I was like, we're pretty fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the guy that ran the house turned around and he went, ah, uh, shh, 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 shh. And like did this thing with his hand at them like to shut up. And the two women like went quiet straight away and I turned to him and I went, can you do me a really big favor? And he was like, yeah. And I went, don't ever do that in my presence again. Like I understand that they work for you, but where I come from, that shit is not cool, man. Mm-hmm. And if if that's how this place is going to be run, I'm going to have to go because I can't. I just can't do it. And then from there, man, I had the best time with the girls that worked there. Like they started teaching me like South Africans, and like we had the oh man, we had the best fucking chats. Like they were just the coolest women. They taught me about like um, how to make biltong. Yeah. I was like, this it's is so wild. Yeah, <laughs> that shit is tasty, yeah. by the way. It's very addictive. And then um, their partners, because they lived in very small cement huts on the property, they had to sort of, you have to defend yourself against wild animals. So they were teaching me ways like that if a wild animal comes up to you, what to do. Like apparently if a lion comes up to you, you don't run. Mm-hmm. You stand it down. And when they roar in your face, you have to yell back. I was like, that's insane. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I'm going to (laughs) run. Or I'm just going to lie down on the ground and go, just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just go, man. I've accepted my fate. So what was, 
What was yeah, this? I find this story really interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I, I grew up in Melbourne, so right. my parents, my dad, got a scholarship to Melbourne Uni. There was a shortage of engineers and special forces within um, within Melbourne. So it um, it's almost like you've got this opportunity, but if you fuck it up, you have really fucked up. Like it, so, the standard is set. Like you would kind of go. Similar question, how you go, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're like, I'd like to be a caterpillar or yeah. or like my sister. And if that question was asked to me, I could say anything. I could say, oh, I want to be a tennis player. I used to play tennis. And then be like, yeah, but like number one tennis player. And you're like, hmm, maybe I'd be all right if I was number five in the world. That's pretty good. And you're like, no. Nah. It's like, no. <laughs> there is no, there is no like. There's no second best. Nah. There, there is no balance of. Yeah. You may come in second or come in third. It's like, there's this. And then you, as you get older, you try to evaluate it. And then so you ask the questions, you know, like when you're five and six, it's just like your parents say something. Well, I was and I was just like, yeah, that, whatever they say goes. Yeah. Then you ask questions more on why. Like that person came second. They seem pretty happy. They've <laughs> <laughs> got a big shiny trophy. They're stoked, yeah, man. Things, things look pretty good. And then it was like almost like if you're – and Australia was different in the 80s, mm. very different to the way it is now. And it was it was a case of if you're second mm. and you're black, that's nowhere near good enough. If you're first and you're black, you need to win by a distance, wow. whatever that may be. It has to be a has clear be distance because yeah. if you're anywhere close, you're going to get pulled into, well, no, in fact, that's not the case. And Jimmy was better because of... X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z. Yeah. And by X, Y, Z, because he's white. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. And not just like a- athletically, like no, we're talking that's, academically. That's everything. Yeah. Everything across the board. Wow. And I kind of, there was levels of that that I got, but then I also think there was also the aspect I didn't agree with half of it. Mm. So there was a 50-50. Like some of the stuff they said was 100% accurate. Some of the stuff they said was just due to the fact the way the things that happened to them hadn't happened to me yet. So it was just a case of mm. a matter of Australia in the 80s, that stuff you were talking about, like mm. peasant waves and mm. underlying forms of racism. Um, oh, we're very clever about our racism yeah. over here. Oh, oh yeah. we're very clever with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, me, and, me and Sel were walking yeah. through Darling <laughs> Walking through Darling Harbour one night yeah. and this drunk lady was just like, oh, how beautiful, like these races are best friends. And we're just like, what? <laughs> we're like, you said that and it sounded really nice, but are you being racist? I, yeah. I don't get it's it. Crazy. Like, yeah. so, what was that? So there's all wow. levels, there's levels like, and it goes from everything. Mm. Like it, it can go from people generally thinking they're actually being nice. Like I was at Biscuit and mm. I was like, I've told this story. I don't think I've told it on the podcast. No, where, I haven't. Mm. Where I, um, it's one, it's a restaurant that I own and, but I don't tell anyone I own it. I just sit around. And I had no idea you owned it. Yeah. I've been in there many times. Yeah. I was shocked when you were like, I run Biscuit. I was like, what? <laughs> so I was just there cruising and, um, there was a lady that I could tell was getting aggravated because right. a staff member wouldn't, and she was in, within her right to be aggravated. She kept looking around, couldn't get service. So I went over to her okay. and said, could I get you something? And then she was like, oh, I need this, this, and this. When I did that, came back and said, how was everything? She said, yeah, it was really good. She ordered a side plus the main. So she mm-hmm. thought that the sweet potato fries came with this particular dish. It didn't. Yep. So when she got her docket, she paid left 
called up and I was actually manning the phone at the time when mm-hmm. I was in the office, called up and said, um, excuse me, I've been overcharged. And I said, okay, cool. Could you just tell me? Give me an idea of yeah. what happened. Yeah. Went through this all, all these details and I was like, oh, oh blah, 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 there. And then, yeah. so I was like, cool. Well, she goes, I'd like to talk to the owner. I said, um, okay, you're talking to the owner. So yeah. I'll, I'll sort it out. Um, do you know where you were sitting? And she goes, no, I don't know where I was sitting. She was getting aggravated because I was asking sure. questions. But all I know is that a large Negro served me and, <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. What did blah. you say? And then I almost went, well. That's me. Yeah, I, that was it. I said, <laughs> I'm the large yeah. Negro. I can't help, I can't yeah. help but laugh at yeah. say. Just... Like, that's exactly what I said. I was like, oh. well, you're in luck because the large Negro <laughs> happen, <laughs> happens to be the owner this time. There was just like this massive pause. And she, yeah, she did it. And, and then I was like, but if you would like to come in, I'd rather just give you a gift certificate than give you the $6 refund um, for your sweet potato fries, even though there was no yeah. refund due. She's like, no, 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 no. Like, you're right. Like, don't need the refund and blah, blah. I was like, no, but wouldn't you want a $50 gift certificate? Yeah. All you have to do is come and pick it up. I'll be here all day. <laughs> she felt so bad about yeah. her racism. She was like, no, it's okay. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah. it. Sorry, bye. <laughs> prank caller, prank caller. <laughs> You're breaking up. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, wow. wow. Like someone in their head had that perception. Yeah. Like that perception had been conceived, probably not due to her, just environmentally. Yeah. I don't believe she was like, like grown up to be this like, mm. Nazi, racist, or anything like that. Oh, I do. <laughs> That's where I went. No, no, I, I hear so, what you're saying, yeah, man. So yeah. She was just a product of her environment and probably lived on Hedges Avenue. Yeah. Probably I hadn't seen a black person in 10 years. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't really know. But yeah. <laughs> there's always like everyone has different environmental factors they grow up with. Yeah. Mine were, to be honest, I reckon nine, better than 99% of the world. Yeah. I would say even even larger like mm. parent, even with the racial factor behind you. Yeah, my parents were awesome. Yeah. Like as parents go, I I find it and I'm sure everyone says like their parents are really good and everything like that, but my parents hands down have to be yeah, well you you two have He really thinks they're shitty. Yeah. Say it you, but it's fine. Yeah, I'll just cover up my mic so that, that no one can hear it. It's okay, man. Just cover up your mic. No one will know. No one will know. <laughs> but uh, they're um because of that um level of push. Yeah. Even when not doing well, you tend to be doing a lot better than most people mm. because you already have that concept in your head of well, second isn't an option. And sometimes people are just better than you. Mm. But they, but because you're always pushing and pushing and pushing, you tend to be quite close to the front, no matter what you're doing anyway, whether mm. whatever it may be. So, um, like I thank them for that, like daily. Yeah, yeah, they they were um, as good as parents as I could ask for. Can I ask you a few questions about race that I'm always really curious? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm a massive advocate of creating a world where. We, we finally see colour as just that, for fuck's sake. It's just a colour. And I, I wonder how you see us getting there because I have a theory on how I see us getting there as a people, but I always wonder if it's different for someone who is sporting the different skin colour to me because I, I struggle because I don't see the difference Do you know what I mean? And I worry that my way of seeing the world potentially makes it worse as opposed to better. 
I suppose the only way you'd understand that is if I told you what it was, but I really want to know what your theory is on how we get to a place where it's no longer even an issue. It's probably two aspects and probably like half the black people in the world will just think what I'm saying is completely off the wall, but Mm. there has to be a point at some stage where everyone says what's happened has happened Mm -hmm. and there cannot be any level of I'm a victim anymore from the mm. black people side or Asian or anyone that's a minority, not just um, yeah. blacks, whites or whoever, whoever is a minority, wherever they stand at that time point, history will remain. It's written in the you books. Can't change you can't change history. it. It's going to stay there forever. But if you even hold on to 1%, 1% of I'm a victim, mm-hmm. no matter what, you can't move forward. I, I don't, so true. Th- there, is, there is just no way you can progress to standing on the same platform or stage as the other person because you still harbour something. Mm. So you may be both next to each other, but you're harbouring something. And it has nothing to do with that person. It has nothing to do with you, Miles, or whoever it may be. So mm. if there is a level of angst harbouring from whichever side it may be, you can't move forward. That, mm. That's one thing that's a definite. The other thing that really probably needs to always be considered is there is an there is a level of everyone lives in an environment. That mm. environment's going to shape everyone. Mm-hmm. The more we can bring people into different environments is the only way people will start to... Band together exactly, and see yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, pull together to see that my environment, although it is very different to yours, can mm. still shape and foster excellent people. Mm. If, if you grow up in the mud, in the dirt, and you can still grow up to be the president or a great person or just a happy person and at the same time you could be born with all the money in the world live on the beach and do all this t- and turn in like just live like an absolute prick mm. and be a bad person you can see that environments aren't exactly what's going on there has to be a level of people standing in different positions just living in other people's shoes yeah and, and the more we can somehow foster that like get more people to live in other people's shoes and the more chance there is how that happens, I have no idea. It's so funny because that's, that's kind of what I've been thinking. Yeah. It's so interesting. And it's not, not so much, um, I guess I'll probably explain like where I'm coming from with the victim thing because I look at the history books and the way um, race has been put upon people of different colour, any colour, any, any other nationality really. Um, and I, it makes me really sad to think that we treated people differently just because of how they looked. I mean... Even people that have, you know, like we said, disability or, you know, some form of, you know, physical challenge, they even get treated differently, which does my head in. But at the same time, we are all different. So why can't we just treat each other differently based on who the person is as opposed to what their skin colour is or what their eyes look like or what their body shape is or, you know, whether or not they've got a mental illness or whatever. It's like, you know, we just keep putting people into these categories and it's like I look forward to the day that we realise that there actually is no such thing as, oh, okay, you're black South African-American. It's like, no, that is a man. He happens to have black skin. Well done. Um, (laughs) Tick. (laughs) He has also, you know, potentially been born in that country. Now he's from Australia. So we need to treat this person completely different to say the other black South African man. Well done. Tick. (laughs) Who still lives in that country and has grown up with a completely different culture. That is true. Let me ask you this question because Mm. you're actually um, 
in this world, gone through a whole lot of different things, and you're very much living in the world of this social media rise and TV Ugh. and celebrity rise. Yeah. Where you, <laughs> Bloody entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> you're, uh. you're on The Bachelor. Yeah. Obviously, you've got a following of people in social media. You're on radio now. Mm. You produce film. And there's a level of people automatically put you in a box. Mm. Like, I, I don't watch The Bachelor. Um, but I, when I found out you did, I was like, what? No chance. Went mm. on there, I was like, well, she actually, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. There she is. Oh, God, she's crying. That's awkward. Skip, skip, skip. Skip, she's heartbroken. Wow, so goodness. It's awkward. I don't know what to do. Do I pat her bum? Do I pat her head? I don't know. And then I went on that and I was like, there's a level of people put this thing out on social media of this life that is obviously fabricated to a certain extent. And mm-hmm. you, you've tried to go in and do the very opposite and put out a life of... This is what I'm like when I'm sad. This is what I'm like when I'm angry. This is what I'm like when I'm happy. Yeah. And actually portray like a real, real life. Whether that, I don't really know because I'm not that heavily in the social media market, but whether that gets you more likes or less likes is Mm -hmm. one thing. But do you think what's going on in the social media world is drawing us closer to this harmonization? Or is it just pushing us like even further and further away from any... Because the good news about it mm. is, like, sometimes I'll put up something and it'll be with a family member that's from Africa or something like that. And people will realize, like, wow, that's really cool. Like, in Africa, that was, like, a lot of fun. I should experience Africa, which is good yeah. because otherwise they'd sit in their apartment or whatever, have no idea and just think... Yeah, oh, they just chill out in the rain for the rest of exactly. their life going, Dal, go down the road and get yeah. some hot chips. <laughs> That'd be it. Yeah, so. I've been that person. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> so now you have the opportunity because yeah. you get to do really cool things and like go to South Africa, capture that, yeah. show people what it's like, etc. And people go, now I want to do that. But then there's a flip to that where people are obviously putting out stuff that mm. is pushing us further away from any sense of reality. Mm. Do you have a stance? Do you think it's good? I think you've kind of already sort of hit the nail on the head that it's a bit of a, I don't know, I look at life like it's a catch-22, you know. I think everything is a knife's edge. It's, you know, the yin-yang symbol really picks up life absolutely perfectly. Where there's light, there will always be dark. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's, like I said earlier, it's all about deciding how long you're going to live in the dark for. And at the beginning, social media was, it started out, with a lot of light but unfortunately when you look at it social media wasn't created from a place of love social media was created by a man who was too afraid to tell a girl who broke his heart that she hurt him so instead he posted it on his university page for all of his other university mates to read and so the movie tells us from social network That may have happened, that may not have happened. But based on how many people took that guy to court, Mark Zuckerberg that is, we can safely assume, allegedly, so I cover my ass and I don't get sued, (laughs) (laughs) that that movie is probably close to accurate on how that all went down. And it's like negativity breeds negativity. So if you create something from a negative place to just better yourself, then yeah, it's going to create that effect in other people. And if you give 
you know, it's like they say these, you know, we have so many third world countries that need direction so badly. And by that, I don't mean going in there and building churches and teaching them about God. I mean, going in there and learning about their culture and understanding who is there and how they house that land and what they need and then bloody help those people. Mm-hmm. Don't go in there and go, I know what will help them. We'll build them a church and we'll teach them to wear pants. <laughs> it's like, they don't want to fucking wear pants, Jeff. Okay? So stop putting them in pants. They like their banana leaf. Let it happen. P.S. I would love to strut around in a banana leaf skirt. I would be fucking about that shit. And I think I'd rock it too. <laughs> well, not That's on those days when I've had too much cake. But, you know, <laughs> again... Um, and also I would like to point out that I could get away with not wearing a bra cause I don't have breasts. So anyway, um, I digress either way. That whole network was created by someone who didn't have the right energy in mind when he was creating it. However, it is a great tool. It has the ability, like you said, Sal, to bring us together as people and learn things about the world that we otherwise wouldn't have had a chance to learn. So again, it goes back to the users on their deciding How long do I want to live in the dark? How long do I want to continue to use this space the way the first person who created it potentially intended to vent and be aggressive and, you know, push yourself away? And at the end of the day, this whole terminology of trolling, I really hate that terminology. There is no such thing as trolling. There's just someone who doesn't have the ability to use their common sense to shush. Mm -hmm. No one needs to hear your negativity. That negative, that negativity is coming from a place of living in that dark space. And the more you just allow that person to live in that dark space and go, cool, when you're ready, I will be here. Mm-hmm. Until then, I'm actually just going to block that out because that can't, I can't live in that darkness with you. So anytime I see negativity online, I'll either unfollow, I'll unfollow that person or I just block them from my page. Sure. I don't respond to people who write mean stuff. And every now and again, like, let's say I get a, uh, like it happened to me today. A mother messaged me saying, I didn't like the way you made fun of ginger people on air. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, why? I, I didn't just go, you can't tell me what to say. And stupid mother doesn't know what she's talking about. She's probably just some mole from like, you know, over the other side of the Gold Coast. Like, care instead I wrote back going help me understand like what has upset you so much and she's like I've got a daughter and she's got red hair and you have no idea what I'm dealing with and what I'm contending with and every time I hear you guys make fun of someone who's ginger on air I then have to like go back and reiterate to my daughter that you know she's not ugly and it's not abnormal and I was like okay so then you continue to do that because that that humor that's not going to go away mm-hmm. we can't wrap your daughter in bubble wrap we're not going to be able to do that what we can do though is you you myself and your daughter can sit down together and i can sit with her and i can explain to her what those jokes are mm-hmm. and put them in context for her and help her understand on a much deeper level mm-hmm. what they're about and that they're not a, they're not a go at her mm-hmm. not at all and bring her to a place of understanding and, and being acceptance. a part of it. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Rather than like pushing her out and, yeah. and also not pushing the mother out. Cause that is a mother who's clearly freaked out that this joke is going to scar her child for the yeah. rest of her life. You know, like I've got plenty of friends that acknowledge that the term Fanta pants while they were in school, it's just <laughs> such a funny terminology. <laughs> it's just sitting there for a minute. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> While it was painful for them in primary school, now they're like, man, I'm a rang and it's fine. I don't care. Like, it's all good. And they've come into a place of comfort with it. 
And that's, that's my stance on social media. And I'm hoping that with my own work in the industry, I can eventually change the media and change how we take in information. And eventually we get to a place where it's not all tits and ass on social media. And it's not girls, you know, dragging themselves down to a place where they feel like their only value is to get naked, but instead they're getting naked because they're empowered. Mm -hmm. You know, they're doing these things because they love themselves so greatly that they're happy to do whatever they want. And then when they are doing those things, there's not a bunch of other women behind them going, you're just a slut, like put some clothes on. Mm -hmm. Or like typing on that, just die, just go away and die already. (laughs) Like, or, you know, my personal favorite, you think you're so good because you got fake tits. It's like, I actually read that from another woman who had children in her profile. Mm. I was like, what are you doing? Social media purely just exposes people for who they are. Yeah. So it's like... If you're positive, you put out positive shit. I like yeah. to think that I put out positive stuff because I'm mm. a positive dude. But like, if you're just like insecure and if you have issues with who you are, you haven't accepted yourself, you have no self-awareness, all these mm. sorts of things. That's why self-awareness is such a hot topic right now and why everyone is saying that you need to be, you know, understand your your self-awareness and all these yeah. sorts of things. Like another it's, thing, you were talking about race, right? Mm-hmm. Like my whole, I'm, I've got like immigrant mentality. Like my, my grandparents are like completely European. They came over here just like sales parents. They didn't speak a word of English mm. and oh, they, Miles, still kind so of, proud of you. they still kind of don't <laughs> yeah. speak English. Amazing. And so like, like I, I look Aussie, right? Like I don't really yeah. look, I don't look like a wog, but I still, I get called a wog and then I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, Oh. oh, he didn't bite Damn about it. that one. Cool. You want to be friends? I'm like, yep. And then we're friends. And then yeah. that joke is gone. But if people yeah. are just like, yeah. oh, you're black. And you're like, oh, yeah. oh, you just called me black. And then it's just like, you, you haven't but, accepted it yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. come on. There has to be a level of embrace to, mm-hmm. to everything. Like I know, and every kid has to go through it at some stage. And mm. there's literally, I can even, I have like an elephant memory. So I can remember like a transition where I was like, I'm being insulted because I'm black <laughs> and there's a room full of 30 white people. So what am I going to do? I've either got the option to stand up and go around and punch every single one in the face. And, and then get labeled as the angry black yeah, man. Exactly. That's always a bit of fun for you, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Yeah. And do you remember a show called Balls of Steel? <laughs> I think I do. Do you remember how there was a guy called the militant black man? Yes. That took on the persona of, you could say anything like someone would go, hey, could you chuck me a pen? And yeah, they, and he and loses yeah, it. And, and then, and then yeah. there'd be like two pens. There'd only be one pen. And then he'd go, oh, which pen? And they go, well, there's only one pen. And he's like, oh, but what color pen? And then the person would go, the black pen. There's only one there. And then the and siren would go off. <laughs> <laughs> so you could choose to be wow. that person and get angry about every single thing mm. where Miles could get angry about being labeled a wog or a european or a croat mm. or whatever you could get angry for being labeled that chick. crazy yeah. or the chick from the bachelor, bachelor or, or why like... didn't he pick you yeah. that doesn't affect me anymore by the way because <laughs> you've accepted it yeah it's fine yeah, right. exactly. i'm not broken yeah. inside <laughs> and for a while to be honest like you have a right to feel how you emotionally feel if something mm. pisses you off mm. like if, yeah. if, like take that on but then think like what pissed me off about it often you'll find it wasn't actually the words that someone said, it probably had something to do with the fact that you were having a really shitty day up until that point. Someone said something that you were just looking for a way to get angry at that moment. Oh yeah. And and I'm, I'm, I've been there heaps of times. Kids haven't slept. Such and such is going on. There's all this Mm. craziness at work. And someone says something that completely 
had no cause for me to get angry about, but I took it personally. Yeah. Mainly because I guess at that stage was almost looking for something, but I'll recognize that that wasn't actually them. That was just me. Do you want to hear something really creepy? So a lot of emotion, we actually, I've been reading this book by this woman called Lisa Feldman Barrett, amazing woman. She's a scientist in the US and she studied how emotions are made in our brain and we aren't actually born with emotion from what they can tell so far in their research. We're not actually born with it. It's not like a setting that we have, like, I'm going to set my brain to angry now. Yeah. It's like, no, you, you've, got two, you've got two settings, comfort and discomfort. Comfort, you're warm, you're content, you're happy. You have recently pooped, you have recently peed, you're not thirsty, you're not dehydrated, you don't necessarily need to eat, but you're not really like hungry either, but you're not like full, you just, you're content, right? Discomfort is when you maybe need to go to the toilet really bad, or maybe you've got a pain somewhere in the body. It usually comes back to some kind of physical setting in the body. So like if the room is too warm, you overheat, you become quite frustrated normally. If the room is too cold, the likelihood that you start to feel anxiety is a lot more prominent. If um, you need to go to the toilet, you can start feeling agitated and restless and you can't just sit still. If you need to poo really bad, feelings of anger, animosity, frustration, they can start to come to head. And if you're overly tired, irritability is one of the main factors. So as babies, what happens is we are like sponges the moment we're born. We start learning to manipulate our surroundings, our social environment to always get back to the setting of comfort. Because as as human beings, that's all we want is comfort. I mean, look at our lifestyles. You know, we've got these delicious comfy chairs that I can only refer to as something I would use at a creche. Um, <laughs> we've got a well-tempered room. The lighting's not too harsh. I'm, I've got a, this delicious caffeinated beverage that I would like to say is from um, before you speak. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Is that, do I have nailed that? Yep. Yeah. One, I believe, is the other word that's on there, so you're welcome. Uh, it's a delicious drink, by the way. I feel very, like, buzzed off of my berry something or other. Um And so I'm in a setting of comfort, so I feel more inclined to talk. And even though some of the topics we're talking about are quite heavy, Mm. I feel okay talking about them. Whereas, say, someone who's listening to this right now, you might be listening to this while you're driving home from work, you're exhausted, you've completely tuned out to the last five fucking things I've said, and you're like, I wish this bitch would shut up, her voice is annoying. But what you don't realise is while you're driving home from work, you're stuck in traffic, you need to pee, so your frustration is starting to reach peak, you haven't had a drink of water probably in a while because you're dehydrated from the air con that's in your car, your air con's up too high because it's probably hot outside, and you can't wind down the window because there's too many gas fumes, those damn gas fumes, right? So it's like, it's also three o'clock in the afternoon. So you're driving home from work and you're exhausted. In fact, it's probably five because you had to stay back because your boss is a prick. So all of these emotions that you're feeling is your way of trying to manipulate your surroundings to bring you back to comfort. When in actual fact, all you have to do is take a breath and go, yeah, yeah, that's, I need to urinate. Okay, no, I'm good. That's all it is. Oh, and my aircon's up too high. I just got to turn that down. And I might pull into this service station on the way home and grab a bottle of water because I think I might be a bit dehydrated. Yeah, I am. I'm dry in the mouth. <laughs> you're good. No joke. Try it next time. If you're ever having a fight with your lady friend and you are struggling to take in the information that she's giving you, I guarantee you, you are just in discomfort. Make yourself go back to a place of comfort. Bring yourself back to equilibrium. Then reapproach the argument, and I guarantee you, you will come at it from a completely different angle. You will be able to take in the information that's being given to you because your brain is not either overheating from you know too much heat outside, 
or you're not physically too cold. And here's another little interesting one that um, she gave to us as well is our brains are constantly trying to perceive something. So we are based on prediction. Have you guys heard about this prediction theory? Yes, I have. Actually. You have? Joe Rogan. I don't think I have. Yeah, Joe Rogan talks yeah, about it as well. Does, so yeah. does Aubrey Marcus. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know if their basis has come from her, but I've, I've heard them talking yeah. about it in their podcast so as well. So it's Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty. Oh, my yeah. God. Like, praise that guy. He's, He's amazing. Um, so what happens is your brain, let's say you experience, okay, you experience your grandparents, for example, Miles. Um, they're Croatian Correct. from memory. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they would be quite tough, but at the same time, they're pretty right so like don't you go running you might hurt yourself so they constantly try to keep you safe right so as a child you may develop a fear of doing certain activities because your brain will take you back to the very first moment that they said don't you run you might hurt yourself right so every time you go and do something your brain will take you back to that moment. And instead of living in the moment now and trying something for the first time, you won't or will do something based on a previous prediction. So most of our lives, we're actually living out our past. We're just constantly reliving the past based on our predictions. And when we come up against something that we are unable to predict, that is actually called experiential blindness. So it's the inability to actually see what's happening. So like, for example... If I hold this earring like that, what does that look like to you? Does that look like anything? Can you... Not quite. Yeah? <laughs> so what your brain is doing right now is literally going back through its file of facts and going, when have I seen someone do something like that? Um, <laughs> there was the chick that opened that door. That No, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, there was also that time that I went to the jewellery store and I was picking out earrings. No, 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 they didn't fucking hold the earrings. Okay, so then there was also that time that my mum was wearing, she's taking earrings out of her, her left ear, but no, she didn't actually hold it in her hands like that. No, I've, I've literally never seen that before. That's very annoying. Yep. And so your brain just goes, I don't know, or it will go into anxiety or it will go into depression. Either way, you will make not knowing what that looked like means something. Mm -hmm. Can you remember what your brain made it mean when I went, what is that? Look, have you seen that before? No. Can you remember what you made it mean? I can't. I guarantee you at some point, if I hold this up, your brain will go, oh, yeah, that's right. We made it mean that. That's weird. Mm. Like your brain might have gone really quickly. You're an idiot. It's really interesting. You're so stupid. I can't believe you don't know that. Or it might have gone, she's a fucking idiot. Why would she use that as an example? Like, use a better example, you dumb mole, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like you would have made it mean something. So, it makes because sense. Because you have to. It makes sense. So then your brain has something to predict the next time I do it. For sure. When, when my grandparents were always... Um, trying to make me eat seafood mm -hmm. they knew i liked chicken schnitzel and then they'd make the best chicken schnitzel you've ever had in your life mm. i'll bring it to the office one day and i'll oh invite you God. yeah i was gonna say um yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> however on occasion she'd make chicken schnitzel and i knew it would taste different because it was fish but she'd mm. obviously crumbed it and fried it. And right. then she'd tell me it was fish after she'd sit there with her big eyes and she'd be watching me eat this thing and she'd be asking me, do you like it? Is it good? And I just knew that something was up. And then I'm like, what is it? And she said, it's fish. And I said, fuck, I hate it. And, <laughs> and then I, from, now, from that moment on, I just don't like seafood. And yep, cool. I haven't tried. Mm. I haven't tried oysters but i know yep. i don't like them yep. so i'm assuming that this is the, the theory that's this exactly is what it is yeah of, you of, are yeah. predicting that you there won't you like it based on your experiences from your past so you are consistently living out your past yeah. every time you choose 
not to try seafood. There you go. Literally every single time. And <laughs> working out my problems. Yeah. Heather Maltman. <laughs> oh, we could name it that. Oh, working out your problems with Heather Maltman. That's good. That's good. That's really good. Um, yeah. And then at the end of the day, like the easiest way to change it of all things is to just acknowledge that it's a choice. You're yeah. choosing to base your life on your past predictions. And then you just go to the wheel of thought. The way you think affects the way you feel, affects the way you act, affects the way you do life. So if you think I'm an idiot, you're going to feel stupid. You're probably going to act like an idiot and do something dumb. And then your life is going to be the consequence of that. Like, for example, I think I'm really dumb. So therefore, I feel really stupid. Therefore, I'm going to go do something dumb like rob a bank. And now my life means I'm going to go to jail. 100%. Now that I'm in jail, I'm going to think, I'm a criminal, therefore I feel worthless because that's what society tells me I am. Therefore, I'm going to act like I'm worthless. Therefore, while I'm in jail, I'm going to live a worthless life and probably not give back to my community in that prison, which then means I go back to the way I think. I'm probably not going to have any friends in there, right? So now I think I'm all alone in here. My family doesn't care about me. I'm a reject. I'm worthless. Now I'm moving into the feeling section. I'm worthless and no one cares that I'm in here and I'm probably going to die here. Therefore, my life is going to act that way and I'm going to end up with depression. So I'm going to develop depression while I'm in there and the next thing you know, I'm on antidepressants. Mm -hmm. So now my life is one of antidepressants because I just robbed this bank this one time when I was 15 years old. This didn't happen, by the way. <laughs> I did not rob a bank. <laughs> I don't think I'd be smart enough, <laughs> which is probably why this person's in jail. Um, but all you have to do is literally get out of your way Step out of the experiential blindness for a moment. Stop trying to pre-predict what you're going to think next and accept the fact that your brain is going to think negative things. Mm -hmm. You're going to have moments where you're angry. You're going to have moments where you hate that person next door. You're probably going to have moments where you think, I could kill that bitch. <laughs> Just accept it. It's okay. We all have moments where we think about, if I murdered that person, I know how I'm going to get away with it. <laughs> Not serious, never think that way. I'm perfect in every way. Um, Are these the sort of things you go through in your workshops? With, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, this is what I teach our teenagers because we're taught how to learn. We're taught how to take in information, but we're not taught how to think. Mm -hmm. We're not taught how to emote and how to use this amazing spongy mass of meat that is put inside a cranium that is there for us to be intelligent with each other. And the worst part is, is we teach each other that a smile means happy, a frown means sad, and a shocked, you know, the open wide mouth means shocked and um, that kind of thing. And it's like, no, sometimes I cry when I'm laughing so hard, but my face is all contorted and I look like I'm in pain. It's an ugly laughing cry face. <laughs> and that's okay. And sometimes I laugh when I'm sad. I laughed at my dad's funeral because I was so uncomfortable. Like, you know, I swore when I gave his eulogy and, you know, most people will be like, that's disrespectful. I can't believe she did that. That's not cool. But I did it because I had said to the guy before I died, I was like, you know, I'm going to get in the last word before you go in the ground. Right, mate? And he's like, that's not okay. Don't you swear at my funeral. And I was like, oh, <laughs> challenge accepted, old man. <laughs> you watch me fucking rebel. <laughs> <laughs> so you know between us that was our relationship and while other people would see it as disrespectful that was our way of communicating and we're not taught these beautiful moments where instead of just assuming this person's bored or this person doesn't like me or this person isn't interested just go cool it is what it is that's they're cool. gonna feel something and I, maybe i should just ask that's awesome that is cool before you get out because 
we're about to run over time. And you want to do other shit and you're like, shut up. I've <laughs> <laughs> no. here all day. This is our favorite this, part of the week. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I like yeah. your um, I like your chats. It's yeah. good in here. I, since meeting you, and it hasn't been long, but mm. I've heard you talk about multiple different relationships that you've had. And all of them almost seem to end with the aspect of you either forgive the person, you understand why they may or may not be happy or whatever it may be, but you seem to be able to let things go and mm. just understand that wherever it all lays, you're happy and mm. you want the person to be happy. And if they're not happy, that's cool with them. And I know a lot of people that just keep harboring things mm-hmm. and just hold on to them and hold on to them and it drags them down mm-hmm. bit by bit by bit. And probably previously I've been guilty of it myself. I don't, I don't actually oh, yeah. have an answer exactly when I started realizing that I have to. Yeah. It feels like, good to hate. Yeah. Doesn't it? Isn't it rewarding the, for like 20 minutes and then yeah. you're like, Oh my God, yeah, and then all <laughs> turning this into cancer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and it starts to drag you down. It's almost mm. like an anchor and, when the anchor's only like five kilos, you're like, yeah, I'll just hold on to that. But then all of a sudden you pick up a bit more and a bit more. And mm-hmm. before you know, you've got all this baggage mm-hmm. on you. And just like, that person did this and this person did that. And I know you probably more than anyone could attest to that more than anyone. Because you've had a lot happen. Mm-hmm. That would, otherwise, most people would say, it's all negative. It's all negative. It's all negative. And although I haven't known you long, everything I've heard come from you is positive. Hence why I was so excited to get you on the podcast because oh, as goodness. soon as I see a positive person, I'm like, come on the podcast. Yep. <laughs> we need more people. <laughs> but you're that. attracting that though. Like oh, I, yeah. I appreciate the compliment yeah. at the same time though, you are attracting that kind of person into yeah. your world and into your business. And you know, the first time I met you guys, I was like, these guys get it. They're switched on and they, they want to create something amazing and they want other people to be a part of that. Yeah. How do you, how do you, must be a similar aspect, but I see all these things happening. I met your partner, Matt, and I've seen, obviously, a lot of good things are happening for you at the moment, and mm. I know you'll touch on them at a future time point, but is it the aspect of you just changing a tune and you're saying, I'm going to live in that light, as you said, of the yin and yang yeah. concept, or was it a case of just going day by day, I'm going to keep trying to get towards being a positive person or were you just born with it, do you think, because Mm. you had no option being in the environment you're in? That's a really good question. I don't know if I'll ever know. You know, I guess I just, I can't help but think that everything comes down to choice. You know, I, I look at my past and I look at what I went through with my mother and I look at how she behaved and the things that she put my sister and I through by her choices, you know, and while some people would say, well, she has a mental illness at the end of the day, she chose to give into the mental illness. You know, there were times when she admitted to me that she knew she was sick Mm -hmm. and yet she would still choose to go back into it. And I can't be mad at someone who has done wrong by me because they're choosing to do it for whatever reason that I will never understand. And when I've done wrong by someone and trust me, I have done some shit things in my time. I mean, I once had a boss, I worked for a lady that ran um, one of those like coffee club type things, like Gloria Jeans or something in Sydney. And that woman gave me $1,000 to put down for my bond for a a unit down there because she knew that I was never going to have the money to do it myself. I was struggling to change my life. And I went to a, a public toilet and I bitched about her with another woman in a cubicle while she was in there and I didn't know. 
I bitched about her behind her back. I will never forget the pain in her face that I caused that day. She just handed me the $1,000 and I went and did that to her. I was like 18 maybe at the time. And I'll never forget, I just, the shame and the sadness, like thinking about it now, like I'll never forget the pain I caused that woman. It was awful. There was another time where I've said stupid things on radio. I said something stupid about a friend of mine. We were friends and I made a comment and it absolutely killed him. It hurt him so much that he sent me a message saying, how could you do that to me? And I thought about it. And while a lot of people around me were like, what's the big deal? It doesn't matter. And he wrote in there, like, I could get you in a lot of trouble for what you did. And he was right. I I could. I didn't give a shit about getting in trouble. I hurt another person. You know, I made that choice. I made that choice. And it was a stupid choice in the moment. And yet my, my brain, for some reason, completely farted. And I just picked that person and I picked that comment and I just mashed it together. For some reason, my brain did that. And I look back on it and I'm like, I know why I did it. And it was literally harmless. And at the end of the day, I still hurt that person. And I made that choice. And it's about taking responsibility in that moment for the choices that you're making, understanding why you did it, and then going, cool, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that I own that so that I'm less likely to do it again. Not going, I'm never going to do that again. And then blindly walking into stupidity. Instead, acknowledging you're probably going to do it again, man. You're probably going to say something mean one day. You're probably going to backstab someone by accident. You're probably going to belittle someone you're probably going to steal from someone at some point by accident and and by steal I mean you can steal someone's light you can steal someone's confidence you can do that you have the power to do that to another person because maybe they're not completely full and charged in themselves and most times it just comes down to taking responsibility for the fact that you have signed a contract to be in this world every day that you wake up the minute you wake up You're going back to your contract and going, cool, yes, universe, God, light, whatever it is you believe in, angels, I'm going to be here today. I'm going to sign up and I'm going to go out there and do it. Even if your version of that is to get on a crack pipe and not do anything with your life, you've still signed on. You've agreed to that contract again. And the day that you decide, I don't want to be in this world anymore, or the day that you decide, you know, that you've had enough, or if something happens and you're taken from this world, You better hope that on that day that you have lived every day in the moment for that moment and not lived in the past, not lived in that moment back there where someone said something mean to you that you didn't like because it's not even happening anymore. You know, those comments I made about my friend, the thing that happened in the cubicle that day, if I harbored that, if I carried that with me every day like a weight, I wouldn't get anything done. (laughs) I'd just be sad all the time. Instead, I look at it like a lesson and go, cool, i I did a shit thing and I got to move forward. And I just, I don't know, you know, and at the end of the day, the person that I did something shit to, that boss, she did some pretty mean things to me while I was working there. You know, the things that I was saying, they they were true. The way I chose to deal with it though was what was wrong. So where there's a victim, there's a perpetrator and where the victim stands, they're also a perpetrator because we're, you know, like I said, the light and the dark, we've all got light and dark within us. It's all about how long we want to live in that darkness for. And even when you're a victim, you need to look at the situation and go, how have I put myself in this position to be hurt? Because I look at the situation with my mom and her boyfriends and how they used to abuse us physically. And there was a lot of abuse in that house. And I go, 
how did I allow myself to continue being in that situation? And the way I allowed myself to continue being a victim was when police asked me about it, I would say nothing because I didn't want to be taken away. And I look back on those moments and I'm gone. I probably should have said something. Probably should have said, yes, Mr. Policeman, my mum is really fucking crazy and her boyfriends keep hitting me on the arm and it really hurts. So I don't know. And that's – I'm very nervous about people feeling like I'm victim blaming. I, I'm aware that sometimes we're in situations that are very hard to get out of, but – it's about looking at it and going, how can I change it? Yeah. What's my choice here? Awesome lesson. Massive lesson. Anyway, I feel like I've talked your ear off now. Can I take this coffee with me? This is good. Yeah, you can. Do you want we'll another plug in there? Oh, we'll chuck another plug. Oh, before you speak one, high performance coffee. It is high performance. I've got a lot of energy. <laughs> and guess get some sachets, some goodies to take with them. So. How good is the word sachet? It is actually. That's a great note to leave on, isn't it? <laughs> sachet. <laughs> yep yeah so amazing to have you on the podcast um this is usually sells part of the the podcast where he closes it off but um we usually ask a guest if they have one quote or one sort of saying or one sort of concept that they live by that they can share with our audience Mm. do you have anything obviously what you just said before was amazing (laughs) yeah do you have anything um I guess it it probably all comes back to choice, but it would be choose love. Like always choose love. If in doubt, choose love. If you don't know whether or not you're in the right or wrong, choose love because then you'll really know that there is no such thing as right or wrong. There's just love. Just choose love. Love it. Mm. That's cool. Love it. (laughs) Good fun too. Plus choose love. You know, it's a bit sexy. (laughs) You never know where it might lead, girl. (laughs) Told you I'd hit on you again. You're welcome. Well, you know, third time's a charm. You never know. Miles, could you step out for a bit? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so getting dumped when I get home. (laughs) 